0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for Colonial Downs and this stakes-laden card happening on Saturday, September 2nd, brought to you by our friends at Colonial Downs. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornitown, coming to you from an undisclosed location in West Nashville. Actually, someone from Nashville told me I'm west of West Nashville, so we'll just leave it at that for now. Joined by two people I always want to talk to when it comes to all things um, Colonial Downs, starting with the man who was on the show with me for Thursday's Racing, who's been covering Colonial religiously over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. He's Michael Domable. Michael, how are things?
1: Things are good, Pete. Excited for another big card. A lot of stakes racing. Um, fun to see these these uh, Virginia bred and Virginia accredited horses get another opportunity to to go at each other. They're They're a fun group.
0: We also bring in another special guest. We haven't gotten to see her on the Colonial Downs simulcast feed this year because she's been busy up in the Northeast. Busy, about to make history, I might add. She's behind the mic at Parks. She's also somebody who, if you listen to our shows or, or watch our shows, you've seen a master of selfies, so many other things as well. Jessica Paquette, welcome back to the In the Money Airwaves
2: nice to be back and nice to be here to talk about some of my favorite horses and one of my favorite places i'm of course sad to not be at colonial downs this weekend but they'll put on a great show and the virginia bread and virginia certified program is a program that's continuing to develop and t- continuing to grow it's a great place to raise a resource
0: that's for sure because rich history that, as well well, how does the Virginia accreditation work, Jess? How what, what's how's that different than your typical state bred pr- program, and how are we expecting it to uh, evolve over time?
2: So the, it came to place um, when racing in the breeding industry were kind of in a little bit of turmoil down there to incentivize folks to continue to support the breeding program. To become Virginia certified, you have to reside in Virginia as a young horse for X amount of time. It's early. I'm like a third of the way through my coffee. I do not have all the details on this. But I was hoping that um, after all the time I've spent in Virginia, that maybe I'm technically Virginia certified at this point as well.
0: (laughs) That's how I'll introduce you the next time time you're on the air. Please do.
2: I've been called worse.
0: Let's dive right in. No, that was an excellent description, and that's exactly my my understanding. I, if you made me guess a time, I'd say it's like it's like six months or something. And it seems to be working in something that's you know continuing to keep the program on its feet. And as you can see from some of the horses competing today, it's a little program headed in the right direction. Let's talk about the second race on the card. This will be two o'clock eastern it's the Burt Allen stakes going a mile and a 16th on the turf for three and up with 150 in the pot nice little purse here field of six assembled Michael will bring you in first to get your thoughts on this one yeah
1: I was a little master of the obvious on this one landing on the number four paleo uh, who's probably going to be the favorite but I just was I was able to make negative cases on pretty much every other runner in the field Um, and this one I actually think um, is kind of hitting his best stride. Uh, his win at Colonial, um, it's worth noting that the Stidham barn was really cold to start the meet. And this was kind of the horse that broke that trend and and won pretty easily against a good field of allowance horses. The second place finisher came back to win on the on the million day undercard. Um, so I, I landed on, pa- on on Paleo here just to, just thinking he's a very likely winner in a race where I think the shorter price horses I can, the other shorter price horses I can make negative cases on.
0: Jessica, how about you? Is it all about uh, polio or do you have another way to go for it? Well, I'm
2: a big fan of the sit and barn and of DARS, the ownership uh, of this horse. However, one of my real downfalls sometimes as a handicapper and horse player is I get very stuck on a horse and that's where I am with number two. Wow. What a summer. This horse is maiden win at colonial was, he was physically the most impressive horse I saw that entire season at Colonial. I remember him walking into the paddock and like, I had to pick up my jaw off the floor. He just was so put together and so well-developed for a young horse. And he is to a certain extent, a good example of a horse that was super precocious. And now that everyone caught up with him, maybe he's not actually that good. (laughs) However, I still, I still, I always go back to that day, that look, that maiden win, and then that big upset win at the Penn Mile too, right? I at least had him that day as well, thankfully, because I've been chasing this horse all 18 starts at this point. I thought his last <laughs> effort at Delaware was actually pretty decent. He didn't have a great trip that day. That was a kind of an encouraging step back in the right direction after a pretty lackluster form this year. So I do have faith back on a track we know he likes. He can return to form
0: that that'll happen. You know, they'll, they'll sometimes horses in, in certain places will just snap into snap into place. And I, I can see where you're going with that and not really that far off on, on form either. Let's fast forward to race number six, the next one of these Virginia bread slash accredited stakes. We're going to be talking about, we're on the turf once again, going a mile and a 16th for the Nellie May Cox Stakes jessica for these Phillies and mares jessica we'll keep it with you
2: so this is a fun one i have we have a parks horse here that is eight Danzas. who i'm always surprised when i see the see horses that i've called out of town it's just not something i'm yet used to when i'm scrolling through past performances and go hey i know that one um, <laughs> but i i think she's in some pretty deep water here there are a couple of horses one is a little obvious one's a big price here that i really like i think number eight galilei The horse to beat her effort last time, really encouraging. Everything went against her that day. Horatio Caramanos, there is no one better on that turf course. And people still don't always get that. When you're seeing these Caramanos horses on the turf at a pretty decent price, Like they're probably live. I liked her win at Colonial, two starts back. I think six to one is a stretch. I don't think we get six to one on Galilee. I think she's probably going to be a shorter price. But if you get anything close to that, I would run to the windows. I also like the five Naval Empire at a really big price, the Trimbetta Barn having a really terrific season. Two- time winner I know that last race at Laurel was bad. It was like inexcusably bad it just seemingly a no show but her win two starts back was not. That was a really good effort. This is a horse who I've you know I've seen a couple of times at Colonial last year that was on the main track. I thought she looked like an athlete. I she gave a really fabulous impression last year as a two-year- old and I think she's interesting now back on the turf.
0: You never have to twist my arm to include Michael Trombetta runners really anywhere, but especially, uh, especially on the turf. D- did you give his other runner in here, the, the three Continental Congress, any-, any count as well? That's the-, the shortest of the three, according to the morning line. So I figured I might as well ask you about that one before we bring Michael back in.
2: The morning line, I think, in this race may be a little spotty at best, and I'm looking at a little bit elsewhere. It looks like Car- Caramanos was on you know, both this Philly and Gal- had the option of Galilei as well, and going with Galilei was enough of a tell for me.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Michael, how about you? Was it all about uh, Trombetta in uh, in this stake, or are you looking in another direction?
1: Yeah, I like a couple of, of Trombetta's run- runners um, for backups, but – I really think that the number one princess theorem holds a significant class edge over this field. I mean, this is the first time I believe that she's um, back running against uh, Virginia certified company since her win in this race two years ago. And we got seven to one that day. I don't think we're going to get anything close to seven to one today or tomorrow, um, Saturday, that, because I think she'll she'll actually be bet down off that two to one morning line, in my opinion. Um, uh, running against horses like White Beam, market segmentation, those are Grade One winners. If you look at, if you're a subscriber to the Timeform US race ratings, like I am, her last race at Ellis, which was a preview for their uh, their Kentucky down the the Kentucky down stakes races, that race rating was a 126, and that's that's like Grade Grade Two, Grade borderline Grade One quality of a race rating. And so she didn't do much running that day. That's a little bit of a concern. That's why I'll have a couple backups on tickets. Uh, but I think she's far and away the most likely winner. Got it. And the other thing is, she'll get an inside post today where she's been mired on outside posts for for most of the year uh, so far. And and one last point on not to to belabor the point the the positives of a of a likely sub two to one favorite. But uh, when Brendan Walsh brings horses to Colonial, they they often run really well. He's got a significant positive ROI. Um, over the past five years at, at the track. So um, I think Princess Theorem is a very likely winner. I would use the two Trombetta runners that Jessica mentioned, number five Naval Empire and Galilee, as, as two of my backups. Um, I don't know how you can watch the, the July 15th race, the Brookmead Stakes, and take anyone but Galilee out of that. Uh, she closed into a, a, a paceless race. So I think the way to play this is to, to, to take Princess Theorem toss the second and third choices on the morning line and try to get in, uh, either Naval Empire Galilee. And the one other horse I'll throw in was a massive price as the number nine. Don't tell Darren. I didn't think she had a great setup, um, in her win, and she was able to close down that field. She seems to be coming, coming, uh, coming into her own as a turf horse. Um, and so as at a massive number, I would want to try to throw the number nine into the number.
0: You were were kidding around about uh, giving a a, a strong case for a a short price horse, but, of course, in an exotic betting world, it's very often still a useful thing, and this does kick off a late pick five that has just a 12% takeout. Definitely one of the places you might want to take a stand in this card and pressing princess uh, theorem could make sense, but I do like the idea of backing up with those uh, with those trombetta runners as well. I think that's how I'm going to approach it. That late pick five continues with more Virginia bread stakes action. We've got the Meadow stable stakes. Great name. We're going five and a half on the turf this time field of seven going postward. Where is your eye drawn, Michael?
1: Yeah, I only need two horses in this race to get through the sequence. They're going to be the number four determined kingdom and the number five grateful bread. Um, those two have have been knocking heads quite a few times this year, um, and I think that Determined Kingdom is just going to take way more money than Grateful Bread, and that's why I ended up um, ended up on the number five as the top choice. Uh, Determined Kingdom was super super impressive uh, when he won the the Punchline Stakes on the opening Saturday of the meet, and visually it looked like this is a open stakes quality horse, but that's why you have to kind of Temporary enthusiasm a little bit. Wait till the speed figure came back, and it didn't come back anything too too wildly impressive. Um, and then in the last race, that was a that was a stakes quality field that both of those two were facing. Olympic runner looked like he might have a future as a turf sprinter. Turn at when he won Turning Back. Go Bears Go is a really solid runner for for Wesley Ward. Um, Determined Kingdom was able to split those, and Grateful Bread wasn't too far behind. I think those two runners aren't too far apart in terms of talent and I feel like Grateful bread's going to be you know 3 to 4 times the price so that's why I I feel obligated to to make him my top pick um but those are the only two I think I'll need to move forward in the in the pick 5
0: Michael looking to lock it up 5 and 4 Jessica what's your view
2: Nothing to add really uh that's <laughs> kind of exactly where I landed as well uh, determined Kingdom for Phil Schoenthal uh, just kind of checks every box. And then but Grateful Bread is the kind of horse you learn to never really leave off of any sort of ticket. Madison Myers not a household name by any stretch, but she does a really good job. One of these small operations, that's a good reminder that there are, you know, it's more than just a few guys in the country that can train a racehorse.
0: Excellent. All right, let's proceed. We've got two-year-old stakes action in the Jamestown going as race number eight, five and a half. Once again, Jessica, who's your idea of the winner?
2: Well, yeah, I get to go—you know—pretty skinny in the first, in race number seven, and this is the kind of race where, to me, you want to go a little bit deeper. A lot of different ways you could see this. You have to think the three still temper, uh, son of a uh, daughter, of Arrogate for Michael Stidham seems pretty interesting here with two-year-olds coming in their second start. The thing I always look for—they don't have to win, they don't have to even really do all that well in their debut. They just have to show interest. And this filly did that. She's trying the turf. The arrogants do a little bit of everything. I'm fine with the surface switch. Interesting enough for me there. I also, and this is call me, uh, call me crazy. I am going to use the one buzzaway for Susan Cooney. This is a barn. I know they're having a slow season. They've yet to get in the winter circle here at Colonial, but really great Virginia people who do a very good job. And again, Dismal debut. Plenty of room to move forward. I think this one maybe could pick up a piece of it at the end. And I'm going to use uh, Afterneath on my ticket for Mary Leitner. Good win with Sylvester Gonzalez aboard. uh, Kind of front-running victory on the turf. And this is a step up, but I think off of that, she warrants it.
0: 3-1 and 5. Buzzaway will be a wild price, I would think. And, you know, in in a sense, with these two-year-olds with... This is such a wide-open spot. You no, know, why not? Why, why? Especially if you're looking at underneath in, in verticals, one that maybe comes running for, for a little piece of the pie. Michael, where are you in this one? You, you Do you see it as as open as Jessica does?
1: Yeah, I think she hit the nail on the head. This is a very open race. I couldn't really make a case uh, for the number, the number one buzz away. That would probably be the one that I would, would have left off. But now with Jessica saying that she likes – likes uh that one i might need (laughs) might need to throw it in on the ticket as well i think the way i want to play this race is since it's so wide open i want to elevate the horses that i think are going to be bigger prices and that starts with the number six donate life who i made my top pick um phil schoenthal is having a banner year with his juveniles especially at colonial downs he's had quite a few winners uh with two-year-olds at the meet um and this one was obviously one that showed a little bit of promise in his barn early on to be able to make uh one of those four and a half furlong sprints at keeneland he didn't or she didn't run terribly that day um just missing out in a in a blanket finish and then in her race at belmont what i noticed was really that it looked like she wasn't really handling the kickback and so when i see that i think turf is going to be a positive move for a, a runner like that she's a munnings out of a war front mare so i don't think there's anything there to say she wouldn't like turf, um, and has got that experience edge over over some of the rivals. Now, speaking of experience edge, I don't really know if it's entirely something you need to 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 have to win these these two year old stakes races. Um, we saw Becky's Joker win the Skylerville, a first time starter. Um, sometimes when they have big when there's big purses. Run uh, Barnes will hold back and, and point to this spot for their debut, um, and and hope to get all the money right away. So I'm I'm going to use the number eight fielding Lewis as well as an A. Um Gallardo is the leading ri- leading rider of the meet, f- sees fit to ride, and uh, this colt is a half to Tufani, who is a good turf runner who is actually running in the in the race uh, the race prior to this um on the card so the six and eight would be my a's i can really make a case for a bunch of other ones um but i want to elevate those horses that i think are going to be a decent price
0: yeah it feels like a good spot to spread and maybe maybe we'll try to catch a price while still um respecting and maybe pressing still temper a little bit those still temper is actually still six to one in the morning line so you're doing you're doing all right more if this morning line holds up you've got a lot of good cases for horses at prices here the final stake on the card is race number nine we've got uh, these fillies and mares three and up five and a half on the turf once again big field field once again how do you want to approach this race michael
1: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, On our Thursday preview show, I was joking about how it would be really cool to see Shambo wheel wheel back on short rest and and be a a heavy favorite in in uh, in a stakes race because she's been kind of one of the stars of the meet, winning twice, uh, running a good second. Um, This is this will be her fourth start of the meet, so it's really cool to see um, her run. But this is a tough field. This is probably the toughest field she's she's met in her career so far. Um, and I do think it's worth taking a little bit of a swing against her, just because I think she's going to be the favorite um, off of the, those popular victories earlier in the meet, and she's running into a horse in the number eleven Spun Glass, who uh, this mare is is really good, and she's she's been trying open company for a long time now, and now gets to to race against the Virginia Virginia certified company, um, and I really think she's going to get the pace. The pace to set up her run. The number two, Caroline Christina, um, is a, is a speed ball. So that one is going to press Shambo on the front end. Um, so I think Spunglass is a is a likely winner. That would be my lone A to close out the sequence. And then other horses I would want to use as backups would be the number eight, Rambert, the number nine, Hollywood Walk, uh, the aforementioned number two, Cr- Caroline Christina, um, and and uh, just because I think uh, those have been. Facing open company for a lot of their year so far, and now get to to have to run against the Virginia certified company, um, and all have all have lines that I think would make them able to beat Shambo, who I think is going to go off at a relatively short price.
0: Jessica, are you in alignment with Michael that Shambo, despite being the great story in this race, she might be one to take on here?
2: Yeah, I've I'll, she's one that I always kind of thought was vulnerable last year she was for whatever reason she's just never really done it for me and i don't love the quick turnaround on a horse like this i mean she's obviously you know there's a reason she didn't debut until later on in her career and i don't love the quick the quick wheel back for her and maybe she proves me wrong she proved me wrong a couple of times last year but i'm going to pass uh, that said i really like spun glass Daughter of Hardspun, I rarely see one of those I don't like, and I think she's obviously better than that last race in Saratoga indicates. She is a bit of a quirky, uh, quirky sort of sort of mare. She really fits that like chestnut mare stereotype of being a strong personality and a little spicy. And Fergal Lynch knows this, and he suits her so well. He kind of just lets her think that everything is her idea. And a filly like that does need to be handled a really specific way. And he is the guy for the job. And I like him back aboard.
0: Excellent. Any backups for you in that one?
2: I'll single spun glass.
0: All right, good stuff. I'm so surprised didn't, you, didn't, didn't, you didn't you didn't throw
1: in Chickahominy, uh, Jessica, with the, your love for the Godsy barn.
2: Tempting, always very tempting. Like that's one who I wouldn't mind using in some exotics. And like there is, yeah, there's there are very few barns that you know. What you talked me into it, Michael. You talked me and let's let's <laughs> use her on the ticket as well. Because um, then she'll like th- she'll win, and I'll be thrilled for the Godsey barn, and then bummed I don't have her on a ticket. But yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: We'll put in the backup. We'll put in the backup there. That That's just, that's a, an operation you have a lot of respect for, Jess.
2: Okay, uh, Karen Godsey and her family, just multi-generational Virginia horsemen and women. Um, their Eagle Point Farm is where a lot of horses go to get Virginia certified or for layups. And she just, does, she's a remarkable horsewoman um, who treats them like their family, but also like their athletes as well. They, I mean, they come in off the layoff really fit and she only races at colonial. This isn't a barn that kind of goes anywhere else. So to get horses fit and ready for such a small meet each year is really impressive. She Fox hunts them, some of them quite a bit in the off season as well. And I think that cross training really works.
0: I love, I love that idea. And it's interesting. We've been thinking a lot obviously about how horses are, are trained and that idea of multi and multi surface and things that uh, allow horses to, to, for lack of a better word, like be horses a little bit well, more. I think it's And also, that, we can't people
2: just people have them turn more. left.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, exactly. There's,
2: there's a certain, I mean, there's a, a real benefit to cross training and developing like balance and athleticism truly on both leads, not just asking them to switch, you know, one time.
0: And it's something we've talked about in the past, just as a, as a horse player looking, you know, I'll give horses extra credit doing things like racing first time or, um, especially coming off layoffs or maybe having a little bit more stamina than the pedigree suggests if they've been training at a place like Fair Hill where they have all those other options. I, I definitely think it can bring horses forward, and it's something I think we're going to hopefully look to explore more in uh, in racing as a whole. Not to go on that whole tangent here, but it's a, it's a good point. And I'm glad you brought it up. I did not prep you guys to talk about the 10th race, but I realize we've done every other leg of this uh, 12% late pick five. So I'll at least give the option for either of you to, uh, to, to maybe nominate one in here for, for a potential horse that could close out this, uh, this late pick five on, on Saturday. Jessica, did you have any off the top of the head thoughts on this one? And, and, you know, again, feel free to punt if, if you don't.
2: I mean, this is just a really fun race as far as, for like, from a pedigree standpoint. Just some really nice, interestingly bred two-year-olds. I actually will go take a swing with a big long shot. Um, number eight, Cobblestone Bridge. Shug McGahee will have Forrest Boyce aboard. These connections do really, really well at Colonial Downs. Uh, Forrest often picks up some very live mounts for for Sug. Blinkers on. Source did not run badly in his debut at all. Kind of fourth, but was right in the mix of things against seemingly a good field. Blinkers on may move this one forward a bit. And again, I'm not entirely sure I trust this morning line, but 30 to 1, why not?
0: Yeah, 30 to 1 sounds a little wild given the, the connections and Shug uh, and uh, Forest.
2: Oh. Like in what planet are we getting 30 to 1 on? <laughs> sure. <laughs> like
0: cool. And the The bloodlines don't look too bad either. It's it's, it's hard to know. One, my constructive criticism to our friends at Colonial. I wish this race was the first race in the pick five with all these runners with with unexposed form, as opposed to having to take a little more of a guess with it being the last. Michael, what are some of the numbers you might want to include in here? I won't hold your feet to the fire necessarily for an official uh, top pick. People can read that in your in your column.
1: Yeah, I would, I would use the three, eight, nine as my A's to close out any sequence. Um, like Jessica mentioned, number eight, cobblestone bridge, likely to move forward. Um, second time out blinkers on the third place. Finisher came back to win 30 to one is an absolute ridiculous morning line. She'll probably be, or he'll probably be closer to, uh, I would say six to one would be what I would, what I would peg him at, um, there's a lot of first-time starters. You're right, Pete. It's frustrating that this is this is hidden so far deep into all the multis. But um, if I had to pick one that I would want to elevate, it would be the number nine, uh, deadpan. Cassie Barn is having a fantastic meet. Gallardo, uh, who's been first call for him for all, for him all meet, decides to pick up uh, the mount on this one versus the one that's drawn on the rail. Um, decent enough pedigree as well, uh, being a half to calibrate. Um, and then the number three, Fulmineo, is probably tentatively my, my top pick. Um, I like Bolt Doros getting to the turf. Uh, we saw a, a, a nice price winner at Saratoga first time out for Brad Cox, who was a Bolt Doro on, on the Thursday card. Um, this is a big, a big colt. Um, I think the stretch out is definitely going to work for him. The switch to turf is definitely going to work for him. Um, and Arno Delacour, um, is definitely a barn that I trust with two-year-olds. So it would be, it would be three, eight, nine for me, um, primarily to close out any pick sequence.
0: One, I have to throw in uh, just as one that need, would I'd need to include on, on any spread ticket, just on the blood, the six, Round top by warfront out of the Dynaformer. Damn, who knows? Might need a run or whatever, but uh, I, I wouldn't be getting I wouldn't be getting beat by that one. And the fact that the, the the Grand Motion is doing the the saddling and another, another positive in that one's corner. It's a tricky race, and it's a watch the AEs race too with Noble Wave. Um, very very live looking. Uh, currently in the 11 post, might well draw in. So a lot of different ways to go there in the nightcap. And uh, that'll do it, team, for this show. Really thrilled to have you guys on. Michael going to continue to read your stuff at inthemoneypodcast.com. Jessica will be listening to your calls. Did I tell you? Did I tell you the story, Jessica? Of I think I did tell you the story, but I don't know if it was on air or not. About wandering around uh, Windsor Racecourse on a Monday night on that trip to England I made back in. Well, me uh, again. My self-esteem needs it. I, okay, so I it was just great. I was just wandering around and I heard a voice, a familiar voice, out of the out of the corner of my uh, ear. And sure enough, it was you uh, calling a race at parks and the various degenerates gathered around the screen, uh, cheering in their bets. And it uh, it was nice. It was a little, you sounded fantastic, and it was a little a little taste of home while I was on the road. So
2: <laughs> that's really nice that that warms that warms my heart. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll be, we'll be talking more to you, hopefully, in the upcoming weeks. We've got a lot of good stuff happening, uh, a lot of good things cooking regarding parks and the big day. We'll see, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, that's going to do it. We'll thank uh, Jessica one more time, Michael one more time, our friends at Colonial Downs for sponsoring this show. Uh, for In the Money Media, I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.